following program is a peer-to-peer -peer advice show and does not diagnose mental health conditions. If you're seeking social services, please call or text 211 or go to 211.ca. Hello, listeners on Saga 960 AM and those listening around the world on streaming and podcast services. This is It's Not Therapy. I'm Leanna Kirsner, and I am not a therapist, but I am your source for practical advice for everyday problems using my top 10 sayings for checking in with your best self. This episode, we're sweating the small stuff. What little things really are important and which things are signs you might be stressed out and taking things too seriously. Returning guest certified executive coach Dale Kurd will be joining us later for his thoughts. But first, I want to contextualize why I decided to do this topic now. If you want to ask a question, 289-275-9600. That's 289-275-9600. Or you can email me, liana at nottherapyshow.com. That's L-I-A-N as in Nancy A at nottherapyshow.com. Or if that's too much to remember, nottherapyshow.com. Fill out the contact form on the website. Or nottherapyshow on Twitter and Instagram. There's plenty of ways of getting in touch. Okay. So it's January. And you may have noticed that nerves are especially raw lately. It's winter in the Northern Hemisphere, so days are short. It's cold. People are generally cranky. And this year, the economic news is pretty scary as well. We're still not done with COVID. There's extra reason to be on edge. And that's legitimate. But legitimate fears aren't a get-out-of-jail-free card when you take off someone else's head over something fairly small, right? Right. Meanwhile, the news is preying on the fact that it's easy to enrage frighten people for clicks. Even on a show like this, I noticed that the episodes with negative titles do noticeably better than shows with positive ones. Now... I personally don't think ratings are important enough to unduly worry people, so I don't look for reasons to come up with negative show names, but you can understand why some programs lean into the misery. Now, you know I say that ignoring negatives isn't being positive, top 10 phrase, and that goes for ignoring the negative impacts of your choices or the choices of a team you're part of. So yes, it's important to get good ratings so that I can keep my show on the air, but I'm not going to do a show on mental health and do something that I know has a negative impact on listeners' emotional well-being. There's an example right there, sweating the small stuff. But what I usually mean when I say ignoring negatives isn't being positive has more to do with people's tendency to minimize things. It's not a big deal. Just ignore it. Don't let it get to you, right? Easy to say these things. Wrong to do. Sometimes little things are a big deal. But because they tend to be little signs of bigger problems or signs that you're too on edge or part of a cumulative pattern, sometimes it's hard to put into words exactly what's going on. Put into words why that small thing is actually huge at that moment. To make it harder, like I said, some things actually are small. You were just on your last nerve. And people with bad intentions will insist anything is no big deal, even when it is. And sometimes even people with good intentions will minimize things that are important to you. And that hurts a lot. It can make us feel like we're going bad crazy. 
So this show is going to be about how to validate our feelings on things while also keeping things in perspective, which admittedly is more art than science, but there are some things that make that process more reliable. So first, your feelings are always valid. I repeat, your feelings are always valid. Your assumptions, accusations, and actions may not be. That's an easy rule of thumb to follow to make sure you're in bounds. Now, this is when a lot of people argue me that no, sometimes their feelings aren't valid. They have depression. They have anxiety. They are not their thoughts. Invalidating your own feelings might be part of your problem here if I just spoke to you. Yeah, sometimes we all have irrational thoughts. Invalidating our own feelings are not thoughts. Irrational thoughts don't make the feelings those thoughts generate invalid. Feelings exist for a reason. There are signposts for life. Repressing and suppressing those feelings is bad. But that doesn't mean we have to act on our feelings, especially our negative feelings, at least not right away. This is a concept that's difficult for some people to get their heads around. So let me attempt to briefly explain. Ever think of a really snarky comment and not say it, but it felt good to even think it? Yeah, you know what I mean. Humans are petty little spiteful creatures, but some of us don't act on those impulses, those thoughts. That's adulting. Some people have got into their heads that this is tyranny, but it's not. It's this thing called the impulse control. A moderate amount of impulse control is essential for a productive life, but everything from marketing techniques to Reddit tries to convince you that impulse control means you're doing something wrong. And that's, well, that's messed up. This messaging is adding to everyone's stress. No one likes to feel like they're repressed. No one likes to feel like they're taking advantage of. And here's the deal, the truth about impulse control. It's a great thing. Impulse control allows us to validate our feelings without immediately acting on them and without feeling like we're dying inside or being bullied. It basically works like this. When you feel something really strongly, pause. Pause until you can name what you're feeling, really focusing on identifying that emotion. Because you can't know how to react appropriately if you're reacting before you understand what's really going on, right? Now, that pause can be scary at first because it feels unnatural, especially if you've been raised in an abusive environment. But the thing is, if you're currently in an environment that's actually a threat, Proceeding with caution is even more important. And to be clear, this isn't about freezing up. It's about slowing down. And those who demand you go at their pace instead of yours probably don't have your best interests at heart. Remember, other people don't have to like your boundaries, but they do have to respect them. Top 10 phrase. People who don't give you a moment to think are no different than high pressure salespeople. They want you to react, not think logically which is exactly why this kind of pressure is a red flag. The people that pressure you like this want you desperate, so you act against your own best interests. Turning these people down isn't missing an opportunity. It's dodging exploitation. And this is why validating your own feelings is so important. It gives you that moment to really figure out whether something is an opportunity or exploitation. 
If you're feeling anxious because you're super excited, okay, opportunity. If you're feeling anxious because you're being pressured into something, exploitation. When you acknowledge that your feelings are valid, you pull yourself out of the panic zone and you can make good choices because your brain isn't on red alert. Because of this, you can rationally examine your thoughts and decide whether those thoughts are helping or hurting you in any given moment. Now, I'm going to warn you, at first, when you start examining your thoughts this way, you're not going to like what you see, but that's okay. I'll explain why. Most of us are taught some sort of faulty assumption in our early life because absolutely every parent screws their kids up somehow. That doesn't mean they were bad parents. No, no. It just means nobody's perfect. Of course, some parents only screw up their kids a little as opposed to a lot, but I digress. Let's assume you had great parents, so you only started off minorly screwed up. You may have been bullied by more screwed up people, and that caused trauma. No matter what, there are some things that bother you that don't bother other people, and that's valid. Sometimes being raised in a supportive environment means the rough and tumble world of people that don't know how to validate themselves and others. That alone is shocking and rattles you. Now, the problem arises when the things that bother you that don't seem to bother other people are barriers between you and where you want to go. Now, sometimes they're barriers because where you want to go is paved with really lousy people. Other times, you do have to work on resilience. Now, once you manage to get that pause where you validate your emotions, you can start figuring out which little things are not really that big a deal and which ones are worth making a big deal about. And our guest this week is here to help you with that. Dale Curd, certified executive coach of dalecurd.com, will be my guest after the break to walk you through some more tips for sweating the small stuff. Now, if anything in the show inspires a question, a comment, anything like that, give me a call, 289-275-9600, 289-275-9600, or my preferred form of contact, email liana at nottherapyshow.com, L-I-A-N as in Nancy, A at nottherapyshow.com, or if that's too much to remember, you can fill out the contact form on nottherapyshow.com. That works just as well as email nottherapyshow.com or Not Therapy Show on Twitter and Instagram. You know the drill. We're going to go to a break. Stay tuned. I'm Leanna Kersner. I'm still not a therapist. We're still talking, sweating the small stuff. Be back in a few minutes. The following program is a peer-to-peer advice show and does not diagnose mental health conditions. If you're seeking social services, please call or text 211 or go to 211.ca. It's time once again for the It's Not Therapy interview. We've got a returning guest. I'm very happy to have Dale Curd, executive, certified executive coach, dalecurd.com back. You may remember Dale from a previous episode. Dale's back to talk to us about sweating the small stuff, why the little things can sometimes be important. Dale, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Leanne. It's a pleasure. Okay. This, this topic was inspired by some conversations I've had People are very, very raw this time of year, and they end up getting upset over stuff 
objectively isn't quote unquote that important, but that's a judgment, right? So why, why do people get upset about little things? I think the first thing we have to know is that it's a very specific part of our brain that's getting upset. And you have to recognize that we as human beings, we are wired to be vigilant and concerned for our physical survival, our emotional survival, and even if you want our mental integrity. We're wired for that because a big part of our brain is about social cohesion. It sort of dictates how we connect with other people. And part of connection is being aware of what's going on around you. And currently what we have is we have a society that is really engaged by being enraged. And this is what's happening all over the place. Like, like it, you know, if you take a look at news as an example, news is not just information anymore. It's crafted in such a way to inflame or enrage this part of our brain that should be concerned for our survival it's triggering it into thinking that a news story that takes place in one part of the world is actually jeopardizing our physical or our emotional survival in the moment. And, and people are getting overly attached without necessarily doing the processing of going, is this something that I can affect a change on? Is this something that I can absolutely influence? Is this something that actually concerns me personally, not from an ego perspective, meaning do I like it or do I not like it? Mm -hmm. But is this actually concerns my physical safety, my emotional safety, my mental safety? Mm -hmm. Is it affecting me directly? And so I think this time of year, specifically, people tend to be overly focused on things that are triggering or have the potential to be highly triggering yeah did you know that jan do you know that january is the biggest breakup month as an example really it is it is the biggest breakup month of of the calendar that's really interesting is that because people were delaying it until after the holidays or do we know why some definitely delaying it try looking for the soft shoulder a soft, the soft way to break right, up, not, right, not right. wanting to hurt somebody significantly over Christmas. Other people, frankly, are more self-interested. They're like, I don't want to be alone at Christmas, okay. but af- after Christmas, I might be able to weather that. And so January becomes this month that, that people are, um, getting out of relationships or getting out of relationships that don't work for them or uh, uh, and i say that because this is another area of life where people tend to be overly focused on small things and without doing the processing of is this a symptom of something deteriorating in the relationship or is this my partner having a rough day or is this laundry on the floor it's not really a big deal it's not personal yeah, I think that in a lot of cases with that, it's it's what the thing means to people, right? This is a sign of not respecting or not appreciating me. And instead of having that conversation, people, you know, go after the socks on the floor. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there's a lot, I know there's a lot of societal pressure that I had to break on that one. It's like, oh, somebody's going to come over and they're going to make a comment. And, and it's this chain reaction. Right. Mm -hmm. And that little thing gets really big 
really fast and the other person now okay i'm usually the, the person who's going what, what what this is a sock right uh as opposed to being the one that gets super upset about this stuff but how how does somebody determine whether this is sort of a symptom or a cause whether the thing itself is important whether it's part of a bigger pattern and i know patterns in relationship communication or this this tricky thing right because they can be really toxic but at the same time sometimes the pattern is the point so how do you tell whether something's really the issue or whether it's a symptom of a larger thing or whether it's just somebody having a bad day it's a great question and i think in the in the context of relationships um what we're looking for is the difference between when um let's say socks on the floor as an example <clears throat> when when socks on the floor is a symptom of deteriorating trust or respect mm -hmm. or a sense of likability in the relationship meaning uh, uh, somebody is doing something with a level of intention to purposely irritate the other person or to put a put a uh, passive aggressive uh, line in the sand that says I'm doing this like if there's battles for control let's say in the relationship that's where I would say there's a de de the, where the behavior is part of a larger move away meaning the two people are moving away from mm -hmm. each other versus closer together sometimes listen human beings we are super adept at irritating each other and sometimes we irritate each other to get each other's attention mm -hmm. uh, to to actually have that bigger conversation there's lots of minor irritations that take place but and and until the bigger uh, release if you will or the right. bigger conversation can take place and sometimes these signs these these behaviors are a symptom of uh, a downward slide or a moving away and you have mm. to be able to know the difference and a big way of knowing the difference is actually to have the honest conversation with your partner like what does this mean for you you know for instance that i'm triggered by the sock on the floor well that's a two-way conversation as well it's like well why are you triggered by the sock on the floor what does the sock on the floor mean to you because the sock on the floor means to me this and and if you can't have the conversation about what these things mean and then come together or more uh, connected as a result of the conversation, well, then that's, that's not going to bode well for the relationship because these right. things are things that need to be talked about. Um, and a, an old mentor of mine used to say, it's not what is talked about in a relationship that makes it fall apart. It's what's not talked mm -hmm. about. And I think one of the best uh, rules, if you will, that a, or an agreement even that a relationship uh, can have is two people who are willing to just put everything and anything on the table. So if I know that my relationship is an open discussion format, that nothing is off limits for me to discuss, uh, then it gives me the freedom to not only explore my own limitations, my own behaviors that might be uh, triggering or adaptive to stress or something like that, but it also gives my partner the same opportunity. That's what brings you closer together right. is, is being able to talk about all that stuff, right? Yeah, but a lot of people were 
raised in environments or work in environments where that is not the culture. Right. Mm-hmm. And I do think that's, I mean, that brings it to the whole thing about words, you know, words, you can't say words, you can't say, this is something that upsets people both for and against. Some people get very upset when they encounter a word. Other mm-hmm. people get very upset when they can't use a word and you talk mm-hmm. to them about it. And for me, there are certain words that I find lazy. And I tell people, look, that word allows you to avoid what your issue really is with the person. Now, a lot of them are words I can't say on the radio. So I'm going to have to be vague here. But, uh, you know, annoying is one that being annoyed and overall labeling a person as annoying. A lot of people would consider that a little thing. But to me, if you if you focus on that, and you probably do this with clients too, there are certain words they come up with like, aha, this is a sign of something. And annoying is one of those things. Like, why does it annoy you? You know, mm-hmm. is, mm-hmm. is there something inherently wrong with the behavior? Or is this, you know, a sign that our boundaries need to be set, more communication needs to be had? as you said, are you packing too much down? Mm. And that's one of those ones that it might just be, and then it's a controlling word choice too, right? You're annoying. But people, I think you're right about that thing about the communication, that a lot of these are battles by proxy, so to Mm. speak, because we live in a world of can't and people have, let me ask you this, come at it this way. We live in work environments that are very tamped down right now. Work from home has caused companies to have permit, you know, moral permission structures to spy on their employees at work. The days of just playing solitaire at the office. Oh God, I'm dating myself. Hey, Windows 95 oh. era, right? But those are gone in the work from home era. People are so controlled at work that everything in their personal relationships becomes of this primary importance. And conflicts happen that don't need to because they're expecting home to be this, I think said soft landing. I wanna dig more into that, but first the music says we gotta go to a break. Dale Kurd with me on It's Not Therapy. Dale, hang on, you guys hang on. After the break, we'll be back with more about balancing work and home sweating the small stuff on it's not therapy be back after this break the following program is a peer-to-peer advice show and does not diagnose mental health conditions if you're seeking social services please call or text 211 or go to 211.ca We're back on It's Not Therapy. I am Leanna Kersner. This is still the interview. I am still not a therapist and I am still talking to Dale Kurd, certified executive coach. Now, before the break, we were talking about work being super stressful, productivity is key, being a human at work, maybe not so much. And people have heightened expectations, perhaps unrealistic expectations of what home can do to offset that now if that's going on how do you advise people i don't even know what the ask is there how do you advise people (laughs) in those circumstances you know you bring up a good point it it, it, it's 
it's the question of uh, there's so much in that and what you said there's mm-hmm. the question of there's the question of boundaries there's the question of there's the the this idea of expectations if we expect that our homes are always going to be the sanctuary and and the safe uh, a, a safe place then we kind of deny the reality that at home we're still one person trying to get along with another person and that in, is in, is inherently difficult mm-hmm. to do um I, generally generally speaking um one of the things that came out of the pandemic that i don't think a lot of people are talking about is how scared emotionally people became yep uh collectively so you know the 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 from i don't know if i don't know what this means for my my physical well-being my my uh i don't know what this means financially i don't know if my company is going to survive i don't know if the government's going to crash i don't know if the world's going to shut down all of that kind of survival stuff big survival stuff and i think you know we're we we are a species that is biased towards being afraid everything inside of us is biased towards fear because fear is the biggest teacher um, for a species like ourselves right it's it, it it the more adept we are at paying attention to what scares us the more likely we are to survive mm-hmm. and i think what we're not talking about is how can we make our homes and how can we make our work environments more psychologically safe for people just to be right yeah. for yeah. people just to to be and some of that comes to more a higher awareness and a higher level of choice and consciousness around the language that we choose for sure and mm-hmm. the way we speak to each other and sometimes that comes with an understanding that this might be a person blowing off steam and they're going to say things and do things that um, I might find confronting or I might find triggering, but am I really at risk or am I not at risk? Like I think the needle, the needle is trying to find its place, yeah. if you will. Yeah, that's a good um, way of putting it. I think it's trying to find its place from not from, from uh, a place where marginalized voices had no airtime to a place now where everybody is trying to find their Mm airtime and what we're what we're in is in the in this flux before everything normalizes i think and so yeah you're gonna have people using words and using language that is that is going to be offensive to someone but again, if you've got a psychologically safe household or a psychologically safe workplace, you can put that on the table. Yeah. And yeah. it's not going to, it's not, and you, by doing that, you strip out what's offensive. It's kind of like, oh man, I had, I, I kind of had no idea. This isn't offensive to me. This is what we grew up in. You know, um, there's a French word for slow. Yeah. That, that, that is gone my genera- that has been phased out yeah that right that in my generation we used all the time yeah and it wasn't to describe a very specific individual it was to describe it was a synonym uh, for stupid yeah, yeah sometimes 
but yeah. not 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 even in an IQ way. It was right. kind of like a duh, like a like a like right. a Homer Simpson duh moment, right? Yeah. Duh! Yeah. It was one of those things, right? Oh my God, you're such a yeah, right? Yeah, and well, my now wife we and I were talking. Yeah. Now we don't say it. My wife and I were talking the other day, and it slipped out in the French. The French slipped out because my wife, my my wife, um, mm. my wife's background is French Canadian, and she used the French word to describe the slowing down. But right, we both right, looked right. at each other. We both looked at each other and laughed. It's like, oh my God, you can't you can't say that word. And I think. There are some words that we that when somebody is using intentionally to hurt, yes, or to cause pain or to diminish or invalidate, then yeah, that's got to be called out. Yeah. But uh, and there are some words that we have to es- essentially exorcise out of our vocabulary, and the way we do that is become more conscious of why we're using it and what it means to everyone. Right. 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 Does that make and, sense? I kind of went yeah, all over yeah, the place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, it completely makes sense. And I, I think that's one of the small things that I've noticed has a lot of meaning for people. And as much as it's easy to go, oh, that's ridiculous. We all do it, right? We all have that that trigger, that knee jerk. But when when you take a moment, it's like, okay, maybe it's not. You know, maybe someone has a bad relationship with that word. They have a bad history with it. Everybody's got something that bugs them in terms of that. You know, everybody has something. I don't care who anybody is. There's a word that just, you get called it, you see red, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And and then there are other people, I think, who are chafing at the, well, everything I say is wrong, which is is hyperbole, but it's a legitimate reaction, like you Mm -hmm. said, to the the shifting of the sands socially. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, while it's great that, we're on a more equal playing field now the adjustment period is extremely difficult I think for everyone but Mm. it's uniquely different for the people that have to feel like they're they're losing things feel like things are being taken from them and as irrational as that is you know we're talking neuroscience now the human brain doesn't like loss you know no it it doesn't doesn't like like that feeling of losing something well, that's actually, actually, I can just add a nuance onto that. Mm-hmm. The human, the human brain learns that loss means a diminishing of something, or right. it means, or it means a certain kind of emotional pain, or it means a certain kind of um, emotional vulnerability. And because our brains learn through association, we learn to associate that that painful experience with loss as an example mm-hmm. right right so so the nuance there being that people are you know people who are reacting to you know um, their world the perception that their worlds are getting small their world is getting smaller yeah as there as the conversation around words and language and inclusion is getting bigger the people who are in there out there saying but but my world's getting smaller i'm right. losing right what what they're experiencing is a sense of that their identity is being taken away from them uh-huh. but again and i can understand that i can appreciate that sense but in reality and identity we all create our identity yes it's not fixed 
Identity is not fixed. The human brain is not fixed in its growth. It's always growing. It's always changing. And identity can also change and it can also grow. And if a person is attached to a fixed identity, then that speaks to more, more about coping with a hurt or coping with a pain and, and essentially building a wall around them so they don't experience more pain. Yeah. And that's one of those big hot buttons right now where, you know, culturally we're fighting over pronouns. We're fighting over gender exactly. of language, right? Uh, Arkansas just banned Latinx recently. Another uh, organization banned the word incorrigible used against students. And, and, and this, this is a tough one because from a psychological standpoint, identity means one thing. Mm-hmm. From a social political standpoint, identity is this category that the government recognizes. And we don't have words separating those two things. And so you get, um, you know, there's this catchphrase that 90% of arguments online are arguments of definition. Mm-hmm. That might be an exaggeration, but it is true. People fight over what this means. You know, is it real? Is identity real? And I think you separated the difference between identity being real, which anybody who works in mental health knows it is, to mm-hmm. it being fixed. Fixed. Yeah, I, I think I think. The point I want to get across is that yeah. we create identity. We right. we create our we create our identity. It's a it's a um, it, it's a a version of ourselves in response to uh, our our life experiences and our environment that we grow up in. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's a it's a creation. It's a self creation. It doesn't mm-hmm. feel like a self creation because we don't. We, we, we're not conscious of all of the moments where we author that creation, but it is a self-creation. And your identity that you create is in no way a threat to my identity. Right. And this is where we have to start. Like, you get to be who you want to be and who you need to be as, as long as your version of, as long as your identity doesn't take away my ability to have my identity. Right. And that is something a lot of people struggle with now. That alone mm-hmm. is going to get some angry tweets flung mm-hmm. at me. Right. Mm-hmm. Because from from a, a, a scientific perspective, that is absolutely accurate. But people have this need for certainty that mm-hmm. that trips. And mm-hmm. I think that the, the, the whole sweat and the small stuff phenomenon has a big embedding in people needing way too much certainty for their own well-being and instead Mm -hmm. of learning to self-soothe and learning how to deal with discomfort there's this belief that it's everybody else's problem and again somebody's going to argue me on that of workplace harassment and bigotry and all that stuff just because something hurts doesn't mean you have to take it as a threat, correct? Correct. Right. Correct. And and that's the thing that seems to be out of out of the pandemic, even before we were starting this, but the pandemic made it way so much worse. People have gotten terrible at accurately assessing risk and threats. Everything's a threat 
to the mm -hmm. brain. Well, what do we, what do, we do about that? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that's, that's, you're right on the money there. I think um, part of it is to draw up for, for ourselves uh, healthy lines around what we consume and what we uh, what we identify with. I mean, one of the things that came, certainly that came, uh, has come out of the, what's been happening in the U.S. and around the world in yeah. terms of pop populist political movements um, and social and certain social media platforms supporting or um, helping those political movements grow, whether it be populist on the right or whether it be uh on the on the left mm -hmm. is that there's um the the silos of thought and the silos of symbolism and uh dialogue and conversation mm -hmm. is um is just an extension of what you're is an extension of what you're talking about that people mm -hmm. they get into they, they start to out of fear they start to look for certainty and security, and then that forces them into a place unconsciously forces them into a place um, to align with other people who are have who have similar fears yeah. or similar th uh, senses of threat, and then that be starts to become an identity, and mm -hmm. then that be that identity becomes a movement, it becomes a um, a way of thinking, a way of believing, and then that creates a way of behaving, obviously, right? And then you've got people fighting to the death for months over a cartoon on the internet. Correct. Yeah. Or, or cancel culture. Right. Right? Yeah. Uh, cancel culture is, is an, an amazing expression of people trying to control some aspect of, yeah. of, what's going on out there because mostly they feel out of control. Right. Right. And that, that control there's, we don't have time to get into the importance of, of, of control and the inner work involved in feeling like you have control over your life. It, it takes a really long time and maybe we'll have you back to talk about that mm. another day. Enlightening as always Dale Kurt certified executive coach, dalecurd.com. There's a bunch of stuff with his wife and his various uh, hats he wears. Dale, thanks for joining us and talking about this small but important topic. <laughs> Significant but small. Thanks, Leanna. Really appreciate it. I like that. Significant. Thanks. We'll be back <laughs> after the break, guys. Stay tuned. The following program is a peer-to-peer -peer advice show and does not diagnose mental health conditions. If you're seeking social services, please call or text 211 or go to 211.ca. back on the final minutes of it's not therapy i'm leanna kersner still not a therapist and we're talking sweating the small stuff now you'll notice that most of this show we didn't get into many specific details about the specific small things that bother people because well there are as many things of that sort as there are people i can't tell you what bothers you or what should bother you because of that issue that dale brought up before the break about identity Identity isn't just how the world sees you or what you think you are. It's how you relate to what you are. And when you don't see that relationship reflected in the world around you, well, you might feel out of place. And then a lot of people turn to the media to fill the holes in that sense of acceptance 
in part because various sources have insisted that that's what media does. Now, I've worked in media for more than half my life. It doesn't do that. Media doesn't exist to make you feel good. Media exists to get you to buy stuff. And they'll get you to buy stuff by making you feel good if they can. But it's easier to get you to buy stuff by making you feel insecure, I'll say. This is cynical, I know, but it's true and it's important to remember. If you don't see yourself reflected in media, it's because no one who makes the decisions has targeted you as a good little consumer. Basically, you're not a wine mom, suburban dad, or another demographic shown to either pay for media reliably or be reliably persuaded by advertising. Now, a lot of this is based on stereotypes that executives in Los Angeles, Chicago, and New York think about the people that fall into those categories, even in Canada, because Canadian media companies pay consultants from Los Angeles, Chicago, and New York. So if you wonder why the media made in Canada doesn't seem to reflect the experiences of Canadians, well, that's why. Now, that leaves a lot of people consuming media that they don't feel represents them. They don't see themselves in. And so a lot of people watch from a place of schadenfreude. They delight in watching horrible things befall people who seem to think they're better than them or people who are just train wrecks so they don't have to feel bad. Which might make you temporarily feel better, but it's not great for anyone's sense that their problems are manageable and within their power to change. Now, to be clear, if you like trash reality TV, I am not judging. Knock yourself out. Just make sure it's just harmless fun and not something that results in grown adults fighting over Scooby-Doo remakes like it's a death match. No, I'm not kidding. The freaking Velma cartoon has made mainstream news because of the dust-ups over it on social media. And it's not just that show. People are accusing each other over shows of horrible thought crimes. And it may even come down to an awkward word choice, right? A joke that came out the wrong way. That was legitimately a joke, not, not a dig wrapped in a joke, right? The thing is, while all this is going on, while good people are tearing each other apart, the truly bad people get off easy because in all this noise, it's hard for the average person to tell the truly bad people from the people who are just so scared to make a mistake, so tense, that they end up putting their foot in their mouth more than they have to. This is why the small stuff gets so big. If you're... In an environment like this, it's really hard to tell the big from the small, right? So if you find yourself frequently at the receiving end of a dressing down because you've said something that offended someone, two things are happening. Either the people around you are looking to be offended or you're not asking enough questions to get a proper read on things before you offer an opinion. Now, cranky people will say that even questions are annoying. But most people 
want to be asked instead of someone assuming something and getting it wrong. So try asking more open-ended questions before saying what your thoughts are and see if that helps. Now, if you're one of those cranky people who are constantly frustrated, annoyed, going off at the slightest thing and having the negative social consequences that come with that, consider that this is a you problem, not a problem with the world. You might not be separating hurt feelings from actual harm and people can't figure out why you're so upset because of that. You don't need to have an opinion on everything. I repeat, you don't need to have an opinion on everything. And if you feel like your need to be heard isn't being fulfilled, real talk, you need better friends. Acquaintances, mere acquaintances aren't there to be sounding boards for your every unpleasant moment. No one is. Now see also, social media, family you don't see very often, the people you work with, none of these people are there to be sounding boards for every unpleasant moment you have. If you think every little slight is proof people are coming after you, it's time to question whether your work or social environment is really healthy. If the media you consume is making you feel angry and attacked, don't keep consuming it. Find something else. Okay, you won't be able to engage in as many Twitter fights involving hot takes on Velma. Good. It's not worth the paranoia. And if you find yourself constantly unable to cope, even over TV shows, consider therapy. Sometimes people need it. It's good for people who need it and want it. Bottom line, the world isn't out to get you. The world has no opinion of you. It's the people who you interact with regularly and the stories you tell yourself about your experiences that are making you feel valid or making you feel constantly on edge. So look to that immediate social group first before you blame the world because that group, those things are within your control. When you find your people, your real people, the little things start seeming actually little instead of everything seeming overwhelming. You deserve better than being constantly on edge. And if something legitimately bothers you and people shrug you off, that's on them, not you. You deserve to have times and places where you feel like you can relax. Now, as Dale said, that may require some negotiations, but the people around you should at least seem to be trying at some sort of give and take with you. And you, should be making an effort to give as well as take. Don't always be waiting because you're so guarded to have the other person be nice to you before you'll lower that guard. If that give and take isn't present, if people don't seem to care that you're only you know, mildly uncomfortable instead of very uncomfortable, that's a recipe for little things getting big. And that's a recipe for damaging relationships. So if this, has made you wonder, okay, maybe I, maybe I got a question here. You can contact me, Leanna at nottherapyshow.com. L-I-A-N is in Nancy A at nottherapyshow. Or go to nottherapyshow.com, fill out the contact form there, or nottherapyshow on Twitter and Instagram. Reach out, connect, ask questions. Ask deep questions, really consider this. And remember, feel your feelings, name your feelings, take that pause and we have the music and that means our time for this week together on this special day because of raptors and steelhead games 
is at an end. I enjoyed spending it with you, proverbially, uh, out there listening. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, thank you for having an open mind and an open heart and wanting better for yourself and the people around you. Signing off, I'm Leanna Curser. Did I actually say signing off? That probably annoys people. That's a little thing that's annoying, right? I own that. I'm Leanna Kersner. I'm still not a therapist. And remember, you're crazy is only a problem if it's hurting you. Otherwise, go crazy. Thanks for listening. See you next week.